Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. A Saturday night get-together here on CBS Sports Radio. Plenty of NBA conversation, and we're going to expand that with our next guest. He is one of the best in the business. Reporter, writer, all-around contributor for Sports Illustrated and the co-host of the Crossover Podcast, which you can get where you get all your best podcasts. Howard Beck joins me here on CBS Sports Radio. How are you doing, Howard? Doing well, Jenny Mac. How are you? Good. Appreciate you coming on board. Uh, we have one team locked in to a spot in the NBA Finals. That would be the Phoenix Suns. And I know if I asked either of these two individuals, I'm sure each of them would say the other. But I'm going to ask you instead. Of the two key guys for the Phoenix Suns, we know Chris Paul and uh, the improvement of Andre Ayton. There's a lot of reasons why the Suns are going to be in the NBA final, but uh, the coach and general manager certainly play a big part in that. And both have done outstanding jobs this year. Who should be on top of the credit list, uh, their general manager, James Jones, or their head coach, Monty Williams? Oh, boy. Um, That's a tough one. I think I lean Monty Williams on this, and he was my choice for coach of the year. He was top of my ballot, um, and we don't vote on executive of the year, so I don't know what, where I would have gone with that. That's the other executives who vote on executive of the year, and, and of course, James Jones won that. Monty yep. Williams won, won coach of the year from his fellow coaches. He lost that to Tom <laughs> Thibodeau on, on the media vote. Um, anyway, Monty was top of my ballot, and the reason was that – I think the coach more than, than anyone else, especially in this case, is the one who, who resets the culture, who establishes the culture, who demands accountability, and that's what Monty Williams has done in Phoenix. And I know that Chris Paul has, has um, garnered and, and has earned a fair amount of, of credit for those things as well. But remember, the Suns did start to show some signs of a turnaround even last summer when they went 8-0 in the bubble. And Devin Booker was already, you know, a guy who, who, who was clearly an emerging star. And DeAndre Ayton was making steady improvement. And so were, so was Mikhail Bridges. And Cameron Payne was a revelation in the bubble. So a lot of guys who were seeing now, you know, thriving for a team that's now in the finals, that was because of Monty Williams' leadership before Chris Paul had even arrived. Then Chris Paul arrived. And, yes, Chris Paul is kind of a linchpin who pulls it all together. And Chris Paul, that credit goes to Monty Williams for bringing him in. So, you know, and, and look, the, the circular part of this is if we're going to credit James or, uh, credit Monty Williams over James Jones, well, James Jones also brought in Monty Williams. Right. He, 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 he hired the, the guy who we're going to so, put on the top of the list. 
Yeah. So like it, it, in a certain way, this, this all becomes a little circular. Um, but I, I, I just think that the job Monty Williams has done in um, elevating these guys in establishing the expectations and the accountability. And, you know, uh, we talk about culture a lot, but you need, you need players who buy in and you need a coach who knows how to set it. And the Suns just didn't have any of that for years. And so, um, yeah, I lean money. And uh, I got no problem with that. As I said, chances are, if you asked each one, they'd all, they both say the other. But they work hand in hand. And as you mentioned, Chris Paul's getting a lot of credit for this team coming together and what he gives them on the floor, especially from his teammates who are singing his praises loud and long, uh, which is understandable. But there's the relationship between a player and a coach, too. And you saw the big embrace between Chris Paul and Monty Williams the other night after they won in advance to the NBA Finals. How special is their relationship? Yeah, and it reminded me of, of the hug they shared after, I think it was when they clinched their uh, the semifinals to get to the conference finals. And and we saw that heartwarming moment with them then, too. Yeah, I mean, look, these guys were with each other early in their careers in New Orleans, and there's a, a bond and a friendship there that, that goes way beyond the court. And, of course, Monty Williams has been through a lot in his personal life since then. And... To see these two guys reunited at this stage of certainly of Chris Paul's career, because he's toward the end, you know, Monty Williams is a young coach. He's got many more years to come, but for them to be reunited um, in a place where, you know, the Suns had had no real success of any kind in over a, a decade. And for these guys to be uh, partners again at this later stage in their careers, you know, um, and it, I think it just makes it that much more meaningful for them. And of course, just to accomplish this at all, um, it's just such a, a massive milestone for both of them. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's palpable when you watch those guys embracing after they, they clinched their way to the finals. I mean, you, you can just, you can see it, you can feel it. Even you don't, you don't even have to be there. You're seeing it on the TV. Um, it's, it's, it's fantastic. And to me, that's what the game's about, right? Like we can go into matchups and this and that you know, break it down and all this, but it's about, it's about people. It's about, you know, people competing at a high level and, and their dedication to the sport and the dedication to success and dedication to each other, because that's what it really comes down to that. If, if teams aren't tied together, if you don't have that kind of, of bond, um, you know, you, the, the, the success can be very fleeting and, and, and talent won't get you all the way there. So seeing what Chris Paul and Monty Williams have as, as, as friends and, and colleagues, um, it's it's just really special. And as you mentioned, James Jones did get Executive of the Year award, and that's just for the regular season, just kind of hammering at home what they're doing here in the postseason. And the, the acquisition of Chris Paul certainly was the biggest one that he had. But one that I don't think has gotten enough uh, flash, enough coverage, enough uh, spotlight is Jay Crowder. Uh, who I think it's more than just a coincidence that Crowder keeps showing up late in the playoffs. When he was in Boston, they made their best runs. When he went to Miami last year, they unexpectedly find themselves in the NBA final. Now this year again, he's a big part of the Suns making it to an NBA final. What is it about Jay Crowder? Is he just right guy, right place, right time? Or does he bring something to the table that adds to a team to make deep runs in playoffs? And it's funny because he was part of that Isaiah Thomas trade from Boston to Cleveland, and he, he did not work out well there, but I think he was banged up that year. I mean, there have been multiple times in the last few years where people thought, eh, Jay Crowder, you know, maybe a little more hype than, than substance, or maybe he's breaking down and 
and injuries and all this. But, I mean, Jay Crowder, he's exactly what you want in today's NBA when he's at his best. He's tall. He's long. He can guard multiple positions. He's tough as heck. He gets under guys' skin. He competes hard. And he's a, a classic, you know, modern-day 3 and D guy, right? So yep. not going to do a lot with the ball in his hands. Not going to create. Not, you know, not some go-to guy. But he can put up numbers you know, just on open shots. He's a knockdown three-point shooter as a catch-and-shoot guy. And he's going to go get into guys defensively. And so it, it's, it is more than coincidence that he's been part of these successful teams. Um, some of that is, is, you know, just the for, good fortune of landing on those teams. But, you know, the good teams want him. And I think, you know, Miami missed him to, to, to you know, very clearly missed him. And the Suns have been a, a great recipient. So I think, you know, we've focused so much on Chris Paul and that acquisition, but it was really Chris Paul and Jay Crowder yep. as the offseason hall that I think elevated the Suns to a new level. We're in agreement on that. Uh, players that you mentioned, uh, Jake Crowder, can get under your skin a little bit. Certainly certainly so can Patrick Beverly. And he and his clips got bounced by the Suns. He didn't get under Chris Paul's skin near enough in game number six as he uh, goes for 41. And he kind of lost his cool and his mind on the court with the push the other night. NBA just announced today they're suspending him for one game at the start of next season. Uh, above and beyond the fact that it was just classless, is one game enough of a suspension? You're getting suspended for action in the playoffs, late in the playoffs, and he's going to miss opening night next night. Could the NBA have done more to uh, him for what I thought was a pretty heinous act? It was bad, but it was a, it was a two-handed shove in the back. It wasn't a punch. It didn't involve any blows to the head. Nobody got hurt. It didn't start a fight. None of the other things that would normally elevate an NBA, you know, physical infraction, you know, something that's over the line. Those are the other things you're looking for when you're going, if it's going to be more than a game. Um, also, Adam Silver in general has never been as, as harsh of a disciplinarian as David Stern was when it comes to fines and suspensions. So um, I would have been shocked if it were anything more than a game, but a game is appropriate. He earned that for sure. Uh, that, that, that is, that is the right thing to do. Um, you know, no, no other action or just a fine would have felt too light. Two games to me would have felt a little bit heavy. Uh, it's been a big storyline in these NBA playoffs. And we're talking to Howard Beckham sports illustrated with us here on CBS sports radio. Um, and it's not going to go away, and it'll probably be debated and analyzed after the playoffs are over and done with. And Giannis's status is certainly going to play into this. A lot of injuries in the NBA's postseason this year. You and I have been watching this league for a while now. And I can't remember any season with as many significant injuries to star players. Is there, A, an explanation for it, and B... Is there anything the NBA can or should be doing to try and keep something like this happening again next season? There's not a, an easy explanation. Like I know that, you know, whether it's LeBron piping up on Twitter or whether it's fans bemoaning, there's this easy reductive uh, explanation or, or blame where it's, oh, well, this is what the NBA gets for the money grab of, of turning around and starting the season so soon and for compressing 72 games into a shorter schedule. I get that. I don't dismiss it, but it's thoroughly unprovable and not even completely supportable because, one, 
they didn't it, it, like the, the schedule itself is slightly compressed, but there's it's less than an extra game per month. So it's not that big of a, of a burden in that case. The short turnaround, it was a short turnaround for LeBron and Anthony Davis, for the Lakers, for the Heat, the teams that were in the finals. It was a short turnaround for the Nuggets and the Celtics, the other teams that were in the conference finals. But it was a really long turnaround if you were the Minnesota Timberwolves or True. the Warriors or the Atlanta Hawks, for that matter. So, um, and besides that, some of the biggest injuries, Trey Young stepped on the referee's foot backed into him that's not a fatigue injury it's just a freak accident Giannis and Capella collide while while jostling for the ball and 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 his knee buckles again not a fatigue injury and fatigue can make you more vulnerable even with a collision I get that the bottom line is there's no way to prove definitively that the number of injuries period or the number of injuries to stars is because of anything that the NBA did with regard to the season it's a natural thing to wonder about I don't dismiss it out of hand, but it's unprovable. In terms of what the NBA can do beyond this, I mean, look, the league for years, since Adam Silver became commissioner, has been looking to make the schedule more efficient and less burdensome, right? They turned all-star break into all-star week break. It used to be a few days, and they turned it into an entire week. They have cut way down on the number of back-to-backs. They have eliminated four games in five nights. They eliminated five games in seven nights. All these things have happened over the last, you know, five, six, seven years. So they've been working for years to create a schedule that is is less burdensome and, and gives the players, you know, proper recovery time. But some stuff is just going to happen. And this was an abnormal year. And whether all the abnormalities contributed to the injuries, we'll just never know for certain. Um, I, I guess the best we can all hope for is that, with a semi-normal offseason, and granted, a little bit short again for the final teams because you know they're playing in July instead of June, but things will start up when they should in October. We will have a normal 82-game season spaced over the normal number of days and ending at the normal time in June next season, and let's hope that with that, maybe there will be a decrease in injuries and, and maybe it's all just happenstance anyway. All right, Howard, it's been a couple of weeks since I had you on the show, and the coaching carousel in the NBA has been spinning pretty good. And one seems to have captured more attention than any of the others, and I'm not sure if I get it, and I don't understand all the critique around it. Chauncey Billups got hired by the Portland Trail Blazers. After just one year as an assistant coach, we're seeing guys like Steve Nash coming right off the court into a coaching spot. Chauncey Billups not far off that. Uh, And it's getting a lot of attention because of an incident in Chauncey's past more than 20 years ago. And the fact that the Portland Trail Blazers considered Becky Hammond as their coach Uh, One specific writer from Yahoo is saying they should get no credit for uh, leaking the information that they they considered her a finalist. If she didn't get to the job, almost means nothing. Uh, They hired a guy that they wanted. They wanted Chauncey Billups. I saw Peter Bessie more than a week before they announced it suggest that Chauncey was a lock for it. So there was other information out there that Chauncey was always their guy. Do you think that Portland just facilitated an interview for Becky Hammond for uh, publicity sake or to, to shape themselves as a good organization? Uh, do you think Chauncey Billups is a bad hire? What do you think about the whole process of coming up with a new coach in Portland? You know, I, I, I hate to get too cynical about motivation. You know, I mean, Becky Hammond has, has had several interviews over the last few years. 
And so Portland was the latest. Um, whether they did that for the right reasons or the wrong reasons, I mean, I, it, it, I don't like to speculate. I don't know. I can't, I can't read the minds of, of, you know, Portland's front office or ownership as to whether they, they, they made an earnest effort there or not. That's just a really hard thing to, to conclude. So I'm not going to speculate on, on that. Um, I think however you read that, it's still encouraging that she's being considered. It's encouraging that she was a finalist. It gives her, I think, that much more standing for the next round or the next time somebody else considers. Um, you know, I don't think anybody thought that this breakthrough was going to, to happen easily, right? You know, someone's going to have to be the first to decide that, to hire a, a woman as head coach in the NBA. It hasn't happened yet. Um, I understand why people are, are, you know, concerned that it still hasn't, especially for Becky, since she was the first uh, woman to become an assistant coach. Um and she's been doing this now for whatever it's been, six, seven years, she certainly has put in the time. There are assistants in this league who have put in even longer than that and haven't gotten their, their shot yet either, though. So, you know, male, female, or otherwise, that, that does happen. Um, but so I don't, I, you know, it, it, it's, hard, it's hard to know what, you know, is, is still holding her back or how Portland ultimately viewed her candidacy. The backlash over Chauncey Billups, Listen, let me let me talk about the basketball for a second, and then we'll we'll get to uh, the incident from from 1997. On the basketball side, Chauncey's been considered a great potential head coach in this league for some time, even if he hasn't been on a bench for very long. He's a guy who obviously Finals MVP in 2004, um, universally respected as a player and as a, a locker room leader. He's a great communicator. Um, he's got a, a forceful personality, and I mean, I mean that in a, in a good way. He's a guy who commands the room, and he's super smart. And players, both you know, of his generation and of, of this generation, who, who you know know him as as you know as a former Finals MVP and, and a great player, all respect him. So, as a basketball matter, I've always thought Chauncey would be a great head coach. There's a lot of people around the league who have always thought he'd be a great head coach. Yep. So that part of it is understandable. And he has ties to Neil O'Shea, the Portland GM. They were together in L.A. with the Clippers years ago. However, um, the accusations, which people can look up online, I don't have to repeat them on radio. The accusations from 1997 were very serious and very troubling. And it was settled out of court in 2000. For whatever reason, and maybe it's just the era we're living in now versus the era we were living in then, we weren't all so connected then. And so this thing, this, this incident just kind of got lost to history because Chauncey Billups was, he, he won a championship. So this happens in 1997 or is you know, the allegations are from 1997. He settled in 2000. He's a, he's the finals MVP in 2004. I covered that finals. I, I was covering the Lakers then. I don't recall a single word about this back then. I don't think right. it was an issue. I don't think it was a story. He gets traded to the Knicks when I'm trading the when I'm uh, covering the Knicks in 2011, and it was not a story that I don't. In fact, I, I'm just going to say this outright: I don't remember until this came up a few weeks ago online. I didn't remember this ever happening. It was a, probably more of a local story because in 1997 we didn't all hear everything all the time. We didn't have Twitter. There was the internet was in its infancy, and so. He's, you know, he spent time with all these different teams. He retired. He went into broadcasting. He worked for ESPN. He worked for the Clippers. And and at no point had any of this come up until this particular opportunity. I'm not saying that that's wrong that it's coming up now. I'm just saying, personally, as somebody who's covered the league a long time, 
I got to admit, I was blindsided. I had no idea that that this um, this story existed. But once you read the details, it's really troubling. And if people do not, um, if, if people have a hard time, you know, accepting that the Trailblazers would give them this opportunity in light of that, I I understand it. I absolutely understand it. I'm not going to tell anybody they should think otherwise. Um, but it is something that, as as a reporter covering the league, I didn't even realize this this existed until this, because again, he has you know Chauncey has moved from from place to place, various jobs, both as a player and as a broadcaster, and it had never come up until now. Um, so I, I think that's part of why it, it, people had a hard time kind of coming to, to grips with it, because this wasn't something current or something that was universally known. So, you know, different than say Jason Kidd, who that in, you know with that the incident. Uh, with him was very public and had been rehashed, you know, multiple times. And so I think we all, you know, understood what you're dealing with um, on the kid front and, you know, differently than with Billups. Agreed. And uh, I never remember the story from uh, 20 plus years ago uh, coming out of Boston and a whole bunch of people employed uh, Chauncey between now and then. Uh, kudos to the reporter who came up with it uh, coming out of Portland, but uh, I don't think the Trailblazers had to explain and or apologize that they made the decision that many other employers had done since 1997. Well, I, let, me, of, let me be clear. Let me be, let me be clear. Portland does owe its fans. Now, once this becomes public, once this does come to the fore and you know what you're dealing with and you've done an independent investigation, which they said they did, you do owe it to everybody to then explain the conclusions they're saying we're satisfied based on our investigation that he was not guilty of these accusations. Okay. But you can't just leave it at that and just say, trust us, which is what they did. And it was incredibly bad form to say the least when the PR person cut off a reporter asking Chauncey to elaborate when Chauncey said, yes, there were some things that, that, you know, went on in my past when I was younger that, you know, I've learned from whatever. And the, the follow-up question from the reporter was, can you elaborate on what you've learned? which is still a very innocent way of, of, of asking that question. Right. It's not leading. It's not accusatory. And PR cut off or, or did not allow Chauncey to answer. That's incredibly poor. You do, as an organization, with serving the public, with fans who are buying tickets and who have faith in the organization and who want to cheer for this team, you do owe them more than what the Blazers were willing to give. I will say that for sure. I, I agree that it was mishandled that day, and we'll see how Chauncey handles it going forward. I, uh, one more question on player personnel. The Clippers get picked off. Again, the injury question, I ask, is there anything they can do about it? They certainly were compromised without their best player, Kawhi Leonard, but it's not the first time Kawhi's gotten hurt in a big spot. And it's also not the first time that there were whispers that he questioned the way he was being handled medically by the Clippers staff. It just makes too much sense for him to stay in, in Los Angeles. He moved heaven and earth to get to Los Angeles, and now he got out there. They've had two, I would say, disappointing years. This year, not as bad as last year, but his contract is up. They can give him a supermax, and that certainly will help his bank account. But did the way this season went, injury and all, open up the door for a possibility that Kawhi Leonard goes elsewhere next year? I'd be shocked if he went anywhere else, but the thing with Kawhi Leonard is, you know, he's, you know, he's an enigma and nobody knows what that, what that guy's thinking. You know, like nobody can predict what he might do next. As you said, he moved heaven and earth to get to LA to the extent of 
insisting on Paul George too, which meant that the Clippers, when they made that trade, when they gave up, you know, just a boatload to get Paul George from Oklahoma, it was really because they needed to get Paul George to clinch getting Kawhi Leonard. And so, you know, a, a lot had to happen for, for this, you know, to all come together in L.A. Um, they fell short because of his injury. You know, if, if Kawhi Leonard had been healthy, I think there's a good chance the Clippers are in the finals. So he can't blame the organization for any failure on their part unless he thinks it was injury being mishandled. But, you know, we've heard that from him before. Yep. Um, I don't know what to make of that. Uh, it, it, it's just kind of Kawhi's thing, I guess. But um, I, you know, I'd be shocked if he ended up going anywhere else. Uh, I know there are only about 29 other teams that want to hope that hope, but uh, I say the same thing. I think he's staying in L.A., but it gives us good conversation during the offseason, as Howard Beck does every time he joins us here on CBS Sports Radio. Howard, thanks for coming out. Uh, appreciate it. We'll get you back on some point during the finals. Always a pleasure, Jody Mack. From Sports Illustrated, lead writer Howard Beck here with us on CBS Sports Radio. Jody Mack coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need an expert to help navigate the home loan process, Rocket can. I'll rock it to the phones when we get back. 855-212-4227. Get on with the Mac man. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.